Hello, fellow lovers of all things green. I'm Mary Stone, and welcome to Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries. It's not only about gardens, it's about nature's inspirations, about grasping the glories of the world around us, gathering what we learn from Mother Nature, and carrying these lessons into our garden of life. So let's jump in in the spirit of learning from each other. We have lots to talk about. Hello there, it's Mary Stone on the screen porch, and it's the first day of summer officially. It was funny because the last few days have been so cool, I mean like 60 degrees cool, and uh, it is a shift, it is a shift, and always a change in season brings, you know, something new to look forward to. So I have to thank those of you who reached back about our last chat about my tulip trees. It seems others are hiding volunteer sprouts from their significant others that may not be in the right place, but it's a matter of opinion, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Actually, I'd love to hear from more of you if you have some secret plants you're hiding, <laughs> whether it be house plants, well, legal ones, that is. <laughs> anyway, it'd be fun to maybe collect some other stories and share them as part of an episode down the road. Feel free to email me at askmarystone at gmail.com. I suppose, you know, volunteers that find their way in places that may not be fitting is much like weeds, which are said to be misplaced plants. So today's chat is themed around that. What some consider weeds are beautiful, even beneficial in some ways. Although there can be the issue of invasiveness, which leads to the story, which starts like this. Hello, fellow listeners and readers. It's fun to watch a new neighbor building their home down the road apiece. Jolie adores them, and so, when we were walking on Father's Day, we stopped and visited with Susan, who is an avid gardener. She was fervently weeding out Japanese knotweed from the construction site. A lovely plant, but sadly it's not only invasive, but it has aggressively damaging roots. I hadn't really realized how deeply rooted they were until Susan was, you know, pulling them out. And I had read that if you don't get the whole root, it's going to actually encourage some additional sprouts, which is much like mugwort, another crazy invasive weed maybe someday we'll talk about. The funny thing is, I admired the swath of knotweed when walking past the plot that they are now building on, and it became part of a column in 2018 titled September Roadside Beauties, which you can visit on the Garden Dilemma's website. How can something be so beautiful, but also problematic, yet beneficial too? Knotweed, though shrub-like, is not a woody plant. It's a hefty, herbaceous perennial in the buckwheat family. Its stems are hollow and look like bamboo, growing 10 to 13 feet each year. The showy, lacy white flowers covering the colonizing plants in late summer and fall are just a huge lure for pollinators such as honeybees who adore the plethora of plumes when not much else is blooming. So again, in some way it's beneficial because honeybees and other bees need their food, don't they? And as it turns out, beekeepers make the best use of the invader by cutting the hollow stems and bundling them as a habitat for solitary tunnel-nesting native bees. Apparently, as I was reading about this, the pollen adds an extra special flavor to the honey, and so, again, beekeepers are making the best use of it. After visiting with Susan, Jolie put on the brakes 
and lounged in the sun next to a beautiful patch of crown vetch. I have to smile because it is so funny how much she adores Susan and Don. She literally goes there, stretches out in their lawn. I call it long dog, you know, like a frog, <laughs> fully splayed out. And she just moans with excitement. And of course, they're giving her all this attention. It's really very cute. And they tell me how cute Jolie is. I suspect someday they too will be getting a rescue dog because they have had dogs in their lives. So anyway, back to my story. So as Jolie was sitting next to the patch of crown vetch, I was giggling because that too is a um, invasive plant, but I'm spilling the beans here. It has lovely pinkish lavender clover-like flowers, and it flowers from like May through August, and pollinators also enjoy it. In fact, totally flood the flowers, which is so beautiful to see. Crown vetch is native to Europe, Asia, and Africa, and it was brought to the United States in the mid-1800s. And by the 1950s, it became a popular ground cover to stabilize slopes along roadways and waterways. Plus, the herbaceous perennial, it's from the legume family, served as a cover crop. Its trailing dark green foliage grows two to six feet long, and it's adaptable to all kinds of soil. It prefers open, sunny spots and tolerates drought with its ambitious rind zones that grow 10 feet horizontally. So you can imagine why it's such a good cover crop. Now it's reportedly invasive in many states. Crown vetch suppresses and overshadows other plants, creating a thick monoculture, which is a single plant or crop in a given area, robbing the soil of nutrients. Nature needs a diverse assortment of plants to ensure a balance of wildlife and encouraging natural checks and balances of pests and diseases. It's what's inspiring many farmers to return to growing multiple crops, which I am so grateful for because this whole monoculture, you know, creates the whole perpetual need for pesticides and then they have the pesticide-resistant seeds and the genetically modified seeds. I mean, it's been kind of a spiral of change in our food sources. So things may be returning back to how nature intended, which would be a nice thing. Probably much better for our health. Controlling crown vetch is challenging. While continually mowing prevents it from going to seed, herbicides, sadly, are likely needed to kill the plant or controlled burns following regulations, which would be a little bit better, if done right, of course. According to the Native Plant Society of New Jersey, Crown vetch is in the strongly invasive and widespread category one, which is, of course, the worst listing of plants. Japanese knotweed is there as well as other plants. The Pennsylvania Department of Conservation and Natural Resources suggested an assortment of warm-season native grasses to secure slopes instead of crown vetch. There's big blue stem, little blue stem, and Indian grass. Also, if you prefer a legume family plant, there's partridge pea and round-headed bush clover. They're all excellent choices and music to my ears as I adore these beauties planted in swaths or amongst a meadow. I'll put the link in the column, which is in the show notes, so that you can uh, take a look at those beauties. Initially spread by intentionally planting, crown vetch began moving on their own with the help of deer and other critters dispersing their seeds. I can't blame a plant for that. But now what was good is bad, like many plants we've chatted about over the years, such as multiflora rose brought here as a hardy rootstock to propagate roses, and Japanese barberry taking over forest floors. Maybe someday deer will learn to eat them. 
After all, they can chomp the heck out of the equally prickly varieties of roses we plant in our gardens. Maybe Dr. Doolittle could help us out. <laughs> Garden Dilemmas? AskMaryStone.com It is interesting that many plants that arrived or were propagated intentionally eventually become invasive. It's kind of like insects brought here as biological controls. It makes me think of the Asian lady beetle that looks much like our native ladybug. Um, it was brought here as a biological control and then now is swarming our homes. And actually, we talked about that in episode 29, aphid invasion, beneficial ladybugs, if you want to jump back to that episode. There was a time that barberry was the go-to in landscape designs for many years because of its high deer resistance, and there are many varieties, but no longer do I use them. In fact, it's illegal in many states to use them or to sell them. I have this one annoying barberry that's in my rock garden. It's so deeply rooted, I call it rudely rooted, that I, I keep cutting it back and it just keeps coming back. It must be rooted so deeply. And then there's butterfly bush. The early varieties self-seed prolifically, landing them on many invasive plant lists. But now there are new varieties such as Miss Pearl and Miss Molly and the whole um, Lo and Behold and Punkster series. So there are new varieties that do not do that. So that's kind of interesting to think about. But I wonder what would happen if we just let things be and not fight them. Maybe if we, you know, stop weeding these invasive weeds, they'll just kind of get absorbed in the magic of nature and become part of the rhythm of nature that so gloriously seems to know how to manage these things if we don't mess things up. Anyway, thanks so much for visiting with me on the screen porch. I always enjoy it and hope you have as well. And if so, please share with your friends so more can join us as we learn and grow in the garden of life. Thanks so much. I look forward to next time. You can follow Garden Dilemmas on Facebook or online at GardenDilemmas.com and on Instagram at hashtag Mary Elaine Stone. Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries is produced by Alex Bartling. Thanks for coming by. I look forward to chatting again from my screen porch. And always remember to embrace the unexpected in this garden of life. Have a great day.